Well, hello, I'm Neil Taylor, and this is episode two of Let's Talk About It, a podcast from Erwin Mitchell, all about the ability in disability. This time, we're talking transport and travel with Anne Luckman-Johnson, who's been round the world in her wheelchair, and Chris Wood, founder of the campaign Flying Disabled and father of two disabled children. Here's what's coming up. When I first left hospital, I was very depressed because suddenly the reality of life in a wheelchair uh, came home to me. Then I got a car and then I had my freedom. If you engage with aviation, and I have done, I have found they are aware how far behind they are put against trains and buses and taxis. And the world is changing. You talk about Google, they are mapping wheelchair access around the cities. Airbnb, they're delivering accessible accommodation. They're also delivering accessible experiences on their website. We'll be talking about planes, trains and automobiles and much more. So let's talk about it. Thank you for joining us, Anne and Chris. First of all, we need to understand a little bit about who you are and what you do. So, Chris. I'm a campaigner and a lobbyist. I set up Flying Disabled a couple of years ago to bring more, um, better air travel um, to the air travel industry, to airlines. And it started off um, as I wanted to do it for my children, but it's clearly um, got a little bit bigger than that. Anne, tell us about you. Uh, well, I used to work for Owen Mitchell um, as a client support manager. Um, I so was, you're a lawyer by I, training? I you? am a lawyer by training, um, but my role was primarily um, helping our injured clients, or, or seriously injured clients, those who were going to be left with a long-term disability. Um, that's what happened to me. Um, at the age of 21, I broke my back and I've been in a wheelchair since then. And I thought, well, I can use my 30 plus years of experience to help them and, and, and help them to come to terms with what's happened, um, to see that there is a way forward, to see that you can still live um, not just a life, but actually a good life um, as a wheelchair user. And um, but it is. There are a number of battles along the way, and I was helping people with those battles, I suppose. And that's a um, job, probably, that most people don't even know exists. Well, no, and it um, it doesn't exist in lots of places. I mean, they particularly wanted to have someone to, in this role, um, but it is unusual. Um, and I, yes, I sort of carved out a niche for myself and really loved what I did. Um, but due to a few health issues and the fact that, you know, 30 years plus pushing myself around in a wheelchair has um, left my arms a bit knackered. And um, I decided to stop work early and while well, I still had the energy to do other things. So I got here to the studio on my bike, well, not my bike, on a Boris bike. Chris, how did you get here? Um, train. And Anne, how did you get here? Well, I also came up to London on the train um, and then took a taxi from Marylebone Station to here um, because it was a bit too far to push myself and I really... I thought it would take forever to go by bus. I don't know the bus service in London. I know they're accessible now, but I'm... I still go by taxi mostly. 
And how was that journey? Was that a typical journey that you're, you know exactly what's coming, or how was it? It it was it was not a bad journey this time. Although um, when I got to Marylebone Station, there was nobody to meet me, even though I had booked assistance, and um, Oxford Parkway had uh, telephoned through to tell them that I was coming. Um, so one of the other passengers found someone. They sort of looked at me and said, are you all right? I said, could you find someone? They went and got someone and they brought a ramp. Um, and that, unfortunately, happens a bit too often. Um, and what's really annoying is that Oxford Parkway is a brand new station and you still need the ramp to get on and off the trains. Um, and I've travelled on trains in different countries. In Finland, they're fantastic. Um, the train service has a little... Um, it's a button by the door that you press and then a, a platform comes out from underneath the train to go over the mind the gap bit and you just wheel straight onto the train. And I don't know why we can't do that in this country. That kind of rigmarole of the person not being there and you having to ask for help, how does that make you feel about travelling? Well, it rather puts me off tra train travel because I just like to be able to do things spontaneously and with my car, with my wheelchair and my car, I can do things when I want to do them and go where I want to go and whatever. But, um, yeah, travelling by train, you're supposed to book the assistance 24 hours in advance. You have to tell them what train you're going to be on. Well, it's fair enough to say what train I'm coming up to London on. But how long am I going to be in London? What time train am I going to get home? How long is it going to take me to get across London to the station? Yeah, and I think the reality of that, um, that's certainly with both my children having uh, brought them into London, is that with the trains, if you booked a train to come back at 5pm on a Tuesday afternoon, you're not going to get on that train. An able-bodied person will struggle to get on that train. I remember coming into London with my daughter once and exactly the same thing. We were waiting for somebody to bring the ramp up to the train and in, it just, we're waiting, we're waiting, and I could see the ramp. So I went to get it. And I think they're locked up now, but the... They weren't then, they were just on a bit of chain. So I grabbed it and thought, well, I can do this. It's just put it in two holes on the train and down we come. However, I was spotted by one of the station staff who came up and said, you can't do that, you're not trained. I bit my lip. I really bit my lip. This guy had no idea. And do you end up biting your lip a lot of the time? If you just want to get on, the answer is yes. Or it's all just get off. You just, oh, just, uh, it's no point in, I'll do a letter when I get home. <laughs> Yeah, I've written a fair few letters yeah. in my time. And what kind of a response do you get to those letters? Well, most of the letters that I've written have been to airlines, and I know we're going to get on to talking about <laughs> airline travel. I think Chris um, has got something to say about airlines. But um, I've had um, a gift voucher, I've had a hamper, I've oh, I've had various oh, wow. gifts. <laughs> yeah, um, over complaints that I've made to um, airlines. It's... And does a voucher cut it? No. No. no, not at all. Um, I, I, I don't want gifts. I want to be able to access these things in the same way as anyone else. I just want to get on and lead my life. So, Anne, these knackered arms don't seem to have stopped you uh, going quite far afield. Oh, well, I like to travel. 
and um, and I like to go abroad. And yes, I mean, they're, they're not totally knackered, my arms. It's just that I was getting some aches and pains and I thought I need to take a bit more care of myself. It was way back in the mid-90s that someone said to me, did you know there's a tall ship that has been adapted so that uh, people in wheelchairs and, and other disabilities can go sailing? And I've always enjoyed sailing. Um, I'd never done any... Um, tall ship sailing I'd only sailed in dinghies and so forth but I thought well you know if there's a ship that's been adapted I better go and check it out so I did and I just got hooked it is the most amazing experience and back in 2006 I sailed across the Atlantic which was uh, an incredible voyage that took a month and um, we sailed from the Canaries to the Caribbean. Well, it didn't take a month to do... I was a month in, on the ship, but we did have a week in the Caribbean when we got there, so <laughs> that was quite fun. Um, and then in 2013, I took a four-month sabbatical from work and went round the world. And part of that, the first bit, I, I flew to India and sailed from India to Singapore, so I've sailed across the Atlantic and I've sailed across the Andaman Sea, part of the Indian Ocean. So uh, next next one is the Pacific, I think. So lots of different places and yes. lots of different types of transport, it sounds like. So what did you learn doing that kind of, I love the word voyage, that kind of voyage around the world? I learned that... Um, there are certain airlines that are a lot better than others. I can sit in an ordinary aeroplane seat. Um, I need um, a lift-up armrest in order to be able to transfer myself into the aeroplane seat. Uh, and believe it or not, although some aeroplane seats have a lift-up armrest, invariably they're, they're all different on different aeroplanes. The airline staff frequently don't know which ones do. The check-in staff certainly don't know, so you can't book yourself that sort of seat when you're pre uh, booking your seat pre-boarding. Um, so that is a bit of a nightmare. Um, and uh, But, of course, my biggest concern when I'm flying is that then they take my wheelchair away and they put it in the hold and... Um, a, have they put it in the hold? Is it going to get to the other end? B, is it going to be in one piece when it gets to the other end? Um, or are they going to lose a bit of it or break a bit of it? And this might be a dumb question, but if you're in a wheelchair and you get to your destination and your chair doesn't, what do you do? Lie down for two weeks on a stretcher or they'll lend you something. And, and they won't necessarily lend you something no. that you can use that is the right size, that your cushion that you can sit on safely without getting a pressure sore, that um, uh, well even that you can self-propel. Um, I had one dreadful experience when I came back into Heathrow Terminal Four. It was, and. Um, my wheelchair was not brought up to the door and luckily I was travelling with two friends and one of them went through, one of them stayed with me and one of them went through because I refused to get off the plane until I knew that my wheelchair was had arrived and was in one piece and I could use it. Ideally I wanted them to bring it to the door and they absolutely point blank refused. Well they should have done, they should have brought it now, to the door. Of course they should have mm. done and of course the, the um, cabin staff then can't leave the plane if you're there so you know you feel a bit bad about them and they feel bad about what you're going through because it's not out of that it's not their control it's the ground staff 
And um, anyway, my, my other friend went through, found my wheelchair and said, it's all right, it's here, it's in one piece and it's fine. At which point I said, OK, I will get off the aeroplane then. And they brought me a, a, a wheelchair that I couldn't push myself in. It had little wheels and I had to be pushed through the airport. It was the most undignified, humiliating experience. I hated, hated it. And... Yeah, you shouldn't have to leave the plane until your wheelchair arrives. So what do you do if your person comes up to see you and says, sorry, your wheelchair is in a million pieces on the floor of the tarmac? <sighs> There's a report out in America where, um, well, in America now, they have to catalogue and report all the broken wheelchairs. So between the 1st and I think the 31st of December, let's say for the month of December, there was seven, in America alone, there were 701 wheelchairs smashed or broken. So that means, let's put it another way, because they would ground the aircraft if 701 people had their legs broken. They would be grounding those aircraft. And that is what it amounts to. That's the bit that air travel doesn't see. For many people, these chairs are bespoke. So that could be for months by the time they've actually got the right mobility piece of equipment that's designed to hold their body. However, if you engage with aviation, and I have done, I have found that they are very keen to do this. They, they are aware how bad their industry is, how far behind they are put against trains and buses and taxis but it, it seems like they don't know how to do it so maybe just maybe and I've set up a group of people here um, to a mini consortium six of us who all have skills in both aviation and in wheelchairs and in other areas where we will establish the solution not only to make those wheelchairs that go in the hold more secure but also to get the holy grail, which is the wheelchair inside the cabin of an aircraft, so that the likes of my son and daughter would really benefit from that. And Chris has talked about getting the chair in the cabin. It sounds like you've had success with that. <laughs> well, yes, I've had some success, but um, I really... I suffer such anxiety when my wheelchair, when I'm parted from my wheelchair, because, um, as Chris was saying, it, my wheelchair is my legs. My wheelchair is my freedom. I, I love my wheelchair. I don't look on it negatively. I look on it incredibly positively. Um, and uh, and I have a bright-coloured wheelchair with flashing casters because I like really? to... Really? Oh, yeah, you wait. <laughs> so, um, yes. Um, and... On a long-haul flight, in a, in a large enough plane, um, it is possible for, an for, for a wheelchair to travel in the cabin. Um, there are some um, lockers in the first-class compartment um, where the, a wheelchair that, that takes apart and folds up um, Does that we'll, mean we'll you go. make it into first class? No, 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 no. My wheelchair travels first class and I travel in cattle class at the back. But um, And there was one flight I did with Singapore Airlines where my wheelchair actually um, fitted into an overhead locker, which was amazing. And that, I mean, that was just wonderful because I knew it was straight above me and it was safe and it would be in one piece when we got to my destination. I have tried train travel in different countries. I, I mentioned earlier, I think, uh, Finland. Um, but Singapore has got an amazingly accessible um, rail system, rail network, which was absolutely brilliant, uh, totally independently. And uh, when you say an amazingly accessible system, I mean, let's talk about that, either in trains or 
your own car or buses. When this works, what does that look like and what does it feel like? Well, it's fantastic because I can just be like anybody else. So I get to the, in Singapore, I got to the station, I bought... And actually, to be fair, you can do it in this country on Docklands Light Railway mm. and on some of the Jubilee Underground Line and on the uh, underground or train that goes out from Paddington to Heathrow. When the doors open, the floor of the train is the same height as the platform, So, and the gap in between the two is is pretty minimal. And so I can just... Well, I tend to hop my little wheels at the front over it, rather like um, going up and down a curb, um, so that they don't drop into it. But it is a very small gap, so you just wheel straight on. Um, I've done it with my, my uh, suitcase, which... I, at one time when I was travelling, I had a suitcase that I was on four wheels and I tied it to the back of my wheelchair and I was whizzing around with this suitcase trundling along behind me. I've done me. that. I've done that with my so. daughter. We, I had to carry my suitcase. Her, her, she was in her power wheelchair, so I just tied her suitcase to the back of her wheelchair. And, and it, 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 it's a feeling of power, isn't it, going through the airport? You can, it's like a train, you know, so that's kind of a good way of doing things. Um, and then when I got to New Zealand... I hired a car, and I hired a car with hand... And, in fact, Frank came out to join me, but we had a car that had hand controls. Um, and that was fantastic. New Zealand was dead easy to drive around because um, they drive on, on the correct side of the road. <laughs> One of my worst experiences, actually, on hiring a car was in America because I failed to specify that I wanted right-hand hand controls on the car... And and because they drive on the um, on the right, and the, the driver's seat is on the left hand side of the car, and um, and they gave me left hand hand controls, and it was a complete nightmare. I in fact so much so that I actually returned the car and and relied instead on people driving me around because I have spent so long driving with my right hand that. I found it really difficult and driving on the on the wrong side of the road using hand controls that I was unfamiliar and they were different to my hand controls. So it's like trying to write with your you could you're, yeah. you're actually with your right hand suddenly you'd be told you've got to do it with your left now. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So uh, that is something but apparently you can get them. Um and if I ever go to America uh, and hire a car again I shall definitely specify I want right hand hand controls. So despite the many challenges that we've talked about is this more doable than people think? I think it has certainly got better in the time I've been in a wheelchair. And it, a lot of it is, is confidence to go and do it. There's a certain amount of luck. Um, you, 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 are, you know, that your wheelchair doesn't get damaged somewhere along the way, uh, that the people turn up when they've said they're going to turn up, um, that the trains and so forth run on time. If all that goes according to plan, then yes, it it does work. Yeah, I was in. Uh, I met my daughter at Paddington, and we were getting the bus over to Camden, Camden Market. And I remember standing outside Paddington with my daughter, and we were waiting for the bus to come along. And the lady was driving; it was clearly having a bad day. So I kind of made myself known, gave them a little wave, and said, and pointed to my daughter that we did say with access. And she promptly turned around with some expletive, and and drove off. Um, she she had a busy bus, but there was a gap in there. She was having a bad day. So is that acceptable, Anne? 
No, no, that's not acceptable. I think who, she wasn't to know that your daughter didn't have an appointment somewhere, you didn't have an appointment, and you were going to be late for it because of that. Um, I, the really annoying thing is that she needed to assist you at all. If she could have just pulled in and you could have just got on, she would, you know, she would have done. But the fact is that it was going to be a faff for her and she didn't feel like doing it. And But that's not acceptable. And how often does that happen, whether that's a bus or a taxi? Or... Well, I, I'm afraid I think it happens too often. And I can't say it happens a huge amount to me. And the reason it doesn't happen a huge amount to me is because I generally drive myself. I have a car and... I I like driving, um, and so I tend to go everywhere I go by car. And I used to live in London, so I'm not frightened about driving around London. When this works, though, I mean, I guess, Anne, in your previous career, you must have been helping clients adapt to Absolutely, What yes. does that do for them? Oh, when it works... It's fantastic. I mean, first of all, you know, there are some good things in this country that we do help people by if if you get uh, the mobility, the higher rate mobility component of personal independence payments, uh, you can buy a car and the mobility scheme. It's affordable. Um, and and that's really good. And there are some other um, perks, if you like to call them that. Um, you don't pay uh, road fund um, tax and and so forth, and you don't pay the congestion charge for driving up into London. Um, so there are ways that they try and make it easy for people um, to get cars and and drive themselves around. And when you have that freedom, it's amazing. I'm I'm in a wheelchair as a result of a spinal cord injury, and I remember I, when I first left hospital, um, I was very depressed. And because suddenly the reality of life in a wheelchair uh, came home to me. And the things that helped were the first thing I got my lightweight wheelchair and suddenly I wasn't having to sit in some hideous, enormous, great contraption. And that helped. But the thing that helped most was then I got a car and then I had my freedom and then I had my independence and then I could do what I wanted to do and go where I wanted to go without having to ask someone. And that made a huge difference. Yeah, I think the other thing is, without making this podcast too London-centric, is I do go to other cities up and down the country with my kids, and it, it is a lot easier. London, unless you know it, it can be tricky. Uh, going to Birmingham, it, it was good. Manchester, I've been to, it's good. Travelling around outside London um, is much easier. Well, if you've got a car, uh, it's easy enough to get around. Um it really helps to know the place you're going and more to the point to know the disabled parking spaces. I live uh, just outside Oxford and I would say that Oxford is absolutely fantastic because I know where every single disabled parking space is. When I go to a city that I don't know, um, I often uh, try and look up on the internet and see if I can find out where the Blue Badge parking bays are and some of them are a lot better than others at producing information about this. So that's a question I was going to ask. You two are both old hands at this now, <laughs> in the nicest possible way. What would your tips be if someone said, actually, right, I do want to venture further afield than I'm used to doing, what is the stuff that helps you do that? 
Certainly in the UK, I think it, it's pretty good, but every trip is a tactical manoeuvre. I do a lot of football with my son. We're, we're Spurs fans. I'm and, so sorry. Yeah, no, OK, we can get over that one. Um, so when we go to a football <laughs> ground, it's normally pretty good. You know, some are be still better than others, but they are really, really good. And I also go to a lot of the F1 circuits with my son as well, do a lot of shopping with my daughter. But wherever I go to, you still need to look it up. You still need to do some checks. It's still going to be a bit of a military manoeuvre, just to be sure. And where are you looking that stuff up? Is that Google? Is that? Uh, yeah, you go to Google, you can go to, I mean, shopping centres are typically good. And what are your tips, Anne? Sounds like get a car is the big one. <laughs> my car is, is huge lifeline for me. Um, I would also say, um, yeah, the internet has made it so much easier to look things up about where you're going. My, my biggest problem is always making sure that there are accessible toilets somewhere where I'm going. And uh, that used to be really difficult. It has got better. It still has a long way to go. And if I'm going to visit friends who I know live in a house that isn't very accessible and doesn't have a toilet that I can use, then I will find out where the nearest supermarket is. And now, of course, we have 24-hour supermarkets. So generally, you know, I think that's that's my biggest tip. However, yeah, I would say to people, do it. Please don't stay, you know, whether you want to fly or travel, do it. Yes, there's a little bit of working out because if you don't, you're missing out. And the more people that travel, and in my experience with airlines is... It's, it's just go because the more people that go, they, they've got to do things about it. And I know air, air travel numbers are rising. Um, I think I are to quote it. It's 4 billion at the moment. It's going to get towards 8 billion by 2036. Now, disabled travellers are increasing. It's double-digit figures year on year. They're having to really up their game. And the airports need to work with the airlines to do that. So as the more travellers that we have going, and there are more, then we have to address that. And of course, we've got an aging population similarly with mobility issues. So that has to be addressed. And yeah, it's uh, don't stop, go out, go fly, go travel, go see the world. Don't stop. And yeah, certainly you'll have fun. Well, that's what you did. And right, we're, we're talking about, you know, the difficulty of getting down Tottenham Court Road or whatever. What happens if you land in India and you decide to, you know, look at somewhere by tuk-tuk? Ah, yeah, the tuk-tuks were very interesting. And, yes, I could get in and out of a tuk-tuk, um, although it needed... Um, I needed the, the seats were quite high, and it helped to have someone to just give me a sort of boost up the backside, as it were. And I have to say there were quite a lot of volunteers who were quite happy to, um, uh, you know, do that. Luckily, they were friends, so that was all right, yes. And do most people help, if you ask? Yes, the more people that get out there and travel and are seen and are using these facilities, yeah. the more the companies are going to realise, yes, we do have to do this. And when I got here today, I was a bit early and I went looking for somewhere to go and have a cup of coffee. And every cafe that I was passing had step up to it. And... Uh, somebody would have helped me if I'd wanted to, but actually my point was, and I knew that I was coming here to do this today, so I thought, no, I'm going to go until I can find somewhere I can get into. And I had to go all the way to nearly to Tottenham Court. I had to basically go cross over two streets and, and wheel down. Um, but if you're with someone, it does make it easier. And I would say to people, you know, when you first... 
when you're first thinking about going out and doing things, maybe go, go do have somebody with you um, because that will give you the confidence. But um, now, um, yeah, I just, I go most places. And the world is changing. And if you look at, uh, for because uh, businesses want uh, the custom from disability, whatever it may be. And I can think of now, you, you talk about Google, they are mapping uh, wheelchair access around the cities. They're even targeting businesses now. Is your business wheelchair accessible? So if Anne could have gone on an app and go, right, well, that one isn't, that one isn't, oh, I can get in that one. So then people will get Anne's business. Airbnb, they are now looking at, they are, they're delivering accessible accommodation. They're also delivering accessible experiences on their website. So we have a situation where we have our cities, our attractions, our businesses, all gearing themselves up for, for, for those in a wheelchair, anybody with a disability, and trying to get them in there. They're trying to change, they're trying to conform. However, the travel is letting us down and that needs to change. Final question. So you get one wish. One wish to make travelling life easier, either for yourself or others, what would it be? Well, mine's going to be, obviously, air travel and the magic wand, which I'm trying to, to, to make happen in a Harry Potter kind of way, is that my son and my daughter can just drive on uh, their aircraft, an aircraft, fly to their destination and just drive off it. And it's as simple as that. And I'm trying to wave that magic wand at the moment, make that happen. Well, I just eliminate steps. Yes. I think every, everywhere... Oh, but they did just, a they great were... song. Tragedy was brilliant. You can't do this, Anne. <laughs> get, rid of, get, rid of, get rid of steps. And Is it that simple? Well, it would make my life a lot easier. If, if there wasn't a step or two steps up to get up and down on and off a train, if I could just wheel straight onto a train, if I could just wheel straight onto a bus, if, you know, if the bus could pull, out, uh, pull up to the curb and then there was a little platform that came out when you press a button or something, which is what they had on the trains in Finland. So it's been invented. The technology is there. Yeah. Um, and more than one lift as well would always be good because lifts tend to break down. This is down. your second wish now. Please. No, no, it's Anne gets a second wish because she's <laughs> done great things like sail around the world. I don't get wishes like this. So train stations need to um, look at what they have in the way of a backup. Well, I can't grant those wishes, but it seems... What? I can't no, grant that those was, wishes. That was, I just... Yeah, I, this is so wrong sometimes. I can't grant those wishes straight away, but I think the work you're doing is more likely to make it happen than anything else. Thank you, folks. If you want to hear more about Anne and Chris, head to our webpage at erwinmitchell.com slash let's talk about it. And join us next time when we'll look at the world of working with a disability. I'm Neil Taylor and that was Let's Talk About It.